truly amazing place. It is full of wonder, beauty, and amazing people, most of which we will never see. I am Tyler, and along with my wife Tiffany, we are Ohm Travelers. Our goal is to see the world, create amazing experiences in our life, and meet as many inspirational people out chasing their dreams as we can. This show is my opportunity to bring their stories to you so we can all share in the lives, inspiration, and awesomeness that we seldom hear about in those around us. Please join us here and at Ohm Travelers on Instagram and be a part of our journey. Namaste. pleasure of sitting down with a good friend of mine, Joe Altier, also known as Just Joe. Joe's been a fixture in the central New York music scene for over a decade and kindly shared his story of where the music began, where he sees it going, and how he got there. It's an inspirational story. Joe's one of the hardest working guys that I know and certainly inspires me to continue to follow my dreams and figure out where my future will be leading. So sit back and enjoy today's episode, Just Joe, on episode one of Ohm Travelers. Today I'm here with my good friend Joe Altier, also known as Just Joe, in the music scene around Syracuse and upstate New York. I've known Joe for quite a while, and he's been a big part of my life. Almost 10 years. More than that. More than 10. Yeah, more than 10. So Joe's one of the people that certainly has been very inspirational to me as far as his ability to follow his dreams and cut his teeth, grinding away, and (laughs) building the business that he has today. So thank you, Joe. Thank you. Very much for making the time. Now, um, one of the things that I do with my guests is I let them just choose wherever we're going to meet. So just explain where we are now. Well, and- we're, we're in my apartment, but we're in my, my office and studio portion of the apartment where the magic happens. The business happens, the recording happens, and the planning happens. Yeah, there's a lot of computer monitors. And <laughs> Three, it looks like looks like a computer ship. We're know? in like a spaceship, yeah, more or less. And it's all stuff that is way over my head, but um, <laughs> clearly this is where it all begins. So now you've been – how long is the Just Joe personality? Uh, ten years. It'll be ten years in January. Okay. And that was Just Joe came about – how and why? It, well, it started as Brand New Joe. I was in brand, the band Brand New Sin, which I'm, we'll definitely talk about. Uh, I left the band 10 years ago in January of 2008. And at that time, prior to that, I was doing the piano thing that everyone sees now, but it was called Brand New Joe because I didn't really have a name and everyone would go, oh, Joe, Joe from Brand New Sin, oh, Brand New Joe. So I was doing those shows when I was coming home from tours Having time, to, that's where I kind of started doing this is, you know, every Tuesday night at downtown Manhattan's or, you know, uh, every other Friday at this place. So I had a few gigs here and there. But when I left the band, I really couldn't be Brandon Joe anymore. I was like, I wasn't, I didn't want to be associated with the band anymore. I wanted to find a kind of thing. And a friend of mine's like, well, dude, you're, you're just Joe now. And I'm like, dude, just Joe. <laughs> So then that just, it, it, it kind of blossomed from there. I think it was within a month after me leaving the band where I've kind of, I rebranded myself, you know, and it went from there. And it wasn't real hard to rebrand with them, but it would be hard to rebrand now, but at that time it was pretty easy. It was still pretty early on in the days of what I was doing 
and I still was connected with that band, so it was easy to kind of make the this you know this thing split. Well, I know I met you. Um, I mean, I had I think I was like maybe 24, 25. Yeah. I think so, and I'm now 37. So it was probably 12 years ago when you first started playing at Empire. Yeah, every Thursday, every Thursday yeah. night. Um, my friend Tom and I, we <laughs> he's the one that kind of introduced us because Tom had been going to see you yeah. with some of his friends beforehand. Right. He was like, "You, you got to come Thursday night. Yeah. It's dollar or two dollar pint $2 night, pint and, night and, and this guy's insane. playing music, and he'll play anything you want." And at the time, you carted in like. Boxes books. and boxes of songbooks, books. and I, I just we always and then we would say we want to listen to this, and it, you would look up for a second and then start fiddling through, and you knew right where everything was. I had a table of contents on like each book, but at that time I think there was like because when I went and it wasn't shortly after that that I finally switched from the books to to. They were around since quite I've known you for right. quite a while because we had to move them. Eventually, we right. became good enough friends. It was, hey, come on, help me. Right. And right. that's when you had the green bus. I had a green prison bus, yeah. I missed the green prison bus. That I, was, that was I should have never sold it. I should have <laughs> never sold it. But what am I going to do? Drive, yeah. drive my kids around in a green <laughs> Creepy. Well, that's true. Uh, so, yeah, so, so the books were around, and, and those were in my days where I was more or less, you know, uh, running around. All those were, yeah. Drinking a lot and. I'm glad I, those I mean, days. You'd go, I didn't even start till 10:30 on a Thursday. No, you didn't. And nowadays, and we like, had been there for an hour beforehand. Right. And I, I can't wait. Like on my gigs on Thursdays, I'm done at nine now. <laughs> I can't wait to be home and, 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 and you know on my couch by ten o'clock. Well, I think we had that conversation when you played back at Empire a few months ago in July. Yeah, and was it that long ago? Yeah. Okay. Well, in July, and you had told me you were going to be playing. I said, uh, "What time?" And you said, "I'm making it early." And I think it started at six. Yeah. And I think I was out of there at eight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so, I can't. I can't it was, be. I can't be up. There's very few gigs that I play that are very late anymore. I yeah. think the latest gig I play at is twelve, and that's rare. There's a small part of me that misses those days. Me too. But there's a very large part of me that really enjoys bed at nine o'clock and waking up. <laughs> well, could you and imagine, feeling good? Would you imagine? Yeah, waking waking up Fridays the way you used to wake up, or I used to wake up, and then having to go to like you know CrossFit or. No, no. Do what you do now. I have I have a friend who does that. My friend Tom. Tom still does. Tom, he and is he's still a he's beast. Out. Oh, and he can lift all the weight in the world. And I don't know. Do that. I don't know. He's 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 a trained athlete in both CrossFit and running the downtown scene. So he just he can do it. It's impressive. It's impressive. But, I couldn't do it. Um, so let let's back up. Explain to me, um, kind of. And, and I know a little bit of the story, but where did you, where did the music, where the where the love, for, where did it develop, and what, what was it that I, triggered it? I can't even remember, because it goes so far back in my life, to a point where uh, there was a piano in my house. My mom played piano for the church when she was younger, so she always wanted a piano in the house. And she tried to teach my brothers. My brothers didn't have the patience to sit down and play, but um, my love of music came at a point where I just... I don't even remember. Like, oh yeah, I was I was six or something. No, it was so far ago that I couldn't. It just it's always been there, as far as I know. So I started sitting down on the piano, like at my daughter's age at four, and just so about around the age of five, and I was in kindergarten. My mom started teaching me uh, how to read music, how to do simple scales. Those are pretty much all that she could teach because that was about all of the ability that she had. Um, 
So, and then she kind of let me run with it for a couple of years before I started taking formal piano lessons when I was seven. So it's crazy to look at my daughter and think about that and me having the passion to just want to play the piano every day. Yeah, and was it right from the start? Because I know, I mean, I played clarinet and my stepson played, he's played a couple different instruments. But as for most kids, it's the initial interest is you're like, oh, this is really cool. It's something new. Right. But after a couple of months, it's like pulling teeth to and get you to that, practice. Well, that, that's why my mom didn't throw me immediately into lessons. She wanted to see if what I was really digging was going to stick, you know. And so that's why it took a couple of years before it's like, okay, it's it's time for piano. Because at some point she saw me just literally lugging my record player out, you know, because these are the days before there was, you know, there was barely even boom boxes at that point, in the, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s. So, you know, I had to literally pull my record player out or pull my mom's transistor radio out. And I would set that on the piano and I would listen to every song that came on the radio and I would try to teach myself. Like match the match the song. Wow. So I was t- teaching myself how to play every song by ear, which now is a great ability because now people come up and like, hey, and I may not necessarily know the song, like don't know how to play it. But I've heard it maybe once or twice. So then I look up. I have an app that has, you know, I can look up the chord progressions. And then I sit there and quick listen to the song. Like I pull it up on Spotify or YouTube. And I'm like, all right, cool. And I sit there. And I'll sit there and play the song. So that goes all the way back to being, you know, five or six years old. Well, and that's what I tell. Um, what I tell people that know you but don't know you. I say, well, you know, you ask him to play something. And this was before you had your digital right. songbook. Um, and you would... Even if you didn't have them, you would sit and I remember you would look up and you would start playing and you would start humming. And yeah. so the keys would go and then you would come back and you play the keys and hum. And then it was the keys and you would mouth it. And then in a matter of like two minutes, right. this song that you didn't know, you hadn't played before, but you had maybe the, the note sitting in front of you yeah. was coming out like you'd played it a million times. Yeah. And it was and always amazing. It's even easier now in the technology that we have and the apps that are out there and stuff like that. So it's... It, I don't even, it's so second nature to me. It seems so easy to me. But then when I do that for somebody, and someone's like, dude, how did you just do that? I'm like, I don't know. I just, but then I step outside myself. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool ability to have, it's, you know? I mean, it's, it's my, yeah. I'm, I, I'm ju- I just bought a ukulele the other day. Nice. And so I'm just, I just started <laughs> this week and I'm like trying to. Ultimateguitar.com. Uh, yeah, that's the place to go. Okay. That's where I get all my stuff, but there's been such an explosion with the ukulele. Yeah. I'll show you when we get off here before you take off, yeah. like how to look up ukulele okay. stuff. So, but, but like just learning, like it's, I don't know, it's, it's I couldn't imagine trying to pick up an instrument at this point. Yeah, in life, you know? I, I mean, when now I have musical, you know, background and everything, but like to pick it up after, when's the last time you played clarinet or looked at music? Oh, it was freshman or sophomore exactly. year of high school. Yeah. <laughs> it's been yeah. 20 years, right? For yeah. sure. Okay, so... So it was piano, yeah, prim- mainly growing up. Piano, and, and I was going to eventually take guitar lessons, but I never wavered from piano. But then in fourth grade, I played trumpet and concert band from fourth all the way through high school. Oh wow! So and I, piano, or did you give? Them the I piano? never played piano in the concert band because it was never an option. But you were just doing it on the side. I was still? doing piano outside of school, and okay. I was doing trumpet in school. So I played trumpet from age of, well, you know, eight or nine until I graduated high school. Okay. I haven't played trumpet since then. I, I mean, but I could pick it up and, yeah. you know, build my lip back up. Sure. But I, so I played, those are the two instruments I really played. But I can fiddle my way around the guitar or bass guitar. I can sit down and hold a drum beat for a band. I mean, I have the ability to kind of sit down and yeah. goof around with other instruments. But. 
I mean, I'm just. I mean, I have friends who can sit there and play everything. They can compose an yeah. entire song. I think like I have a friend. They just of mine, hear it, right? I have I have a friend who plays me recordings. I'm like, well, dude, who played the violin? Who played? I did. I did. I played that much. <laughs> yeah, right. But if you're young enough, I, I encourage any kid when they're young enough that they're doing an instrument, learn them all. Learn them all. L- yeah. Or learn multiple because then it gets very easier to like be able to pick up another instrument. Now, where did you grow up? Central Square. Central Square. Yeah. And at what point did um, the piano and trumpet and band, like the good Central Square kid, turn into the tattoos uh, well, and that, brand new sin and heart? That, that took a while, which okay. is weird because I was just an athlete. I was, you know, I was voted most athletic in, in high school. I, I was the football captain of football team, captain of the indoor and outdoor track teams. Uh, I got recruited for both sports going into college. You know, I had more offers going in for track because I, I was a, a sectional champion in the shot put and uh, oh, wow. Empire State Games silver medalist in the hammer throw. So, you know, those were – I got more offers to do track and, and throwing, but I really loved football. So I ended up going to college to play football. And I remember when I was going to St. John – I was going to St. John Fisher in Rochester to play football. And um, – that was my that was my passion, you know. Music was on the side, but you know, sports was where I, everything was sports, sports, sports. And I remember my band director, who I saw a couple of years ago, and I had this conversation with him. It was after twenty two years of not seeing him, I finally had a chance to have this. I go, remember the conversation that we had? And he's like, "What? I, you sat me down and you said, I know you love football, but you really should put your focus on music.'" Because what are you going to do? Are you going to play? Are you going to play NFL football? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to take me. So <laughs> what are the so chances? Crazy. You know, what are the chances? You know, chances of doing that? You know. So I was like, no, no, I'm going to play football and do this. And he's like, all right, I really think you know you should put your eggs in this. And then years later, you know, this is what I do for a living. So um, it's you know, I sat down. I'm like, dude, I should have listened to you years ago. He's yeah, but he goes, you wouldn't have you know. You have to take that path, but I go well. Thank you. It's always. Stuff. Do you think that's kind of where the seed was planted? Well, possibly. Prob- probably. I mean, I always wanted to kind of like be in music, but I mean, being in something square, it wasn't like being out here in the city where it was very readily available to well, go see concerts. Well, or- that's my other question. So, you as a kid who was playing in the band and playing piano, I, I'm and on the football team. My guess is a lot of your friends were not doing those things. So was that? Yeah, I mean, I had friends who were playing, but they were just jamming. That would. I mean, that wasn't like. Um, if you lived in the city, all my friends who lived in the city, where it was very easy for them to join bands or start bands and stuff like that. But being something square was like, I felt like a million miles away from the city. Nowadays, it's 20 minutes. You know, I'd be at something square in 20 minutes, 25 mm-hmm. minutes. But it seemed so much farther away. So a lot of my friends were mainly athletes. So I didn't really get into that. But the, I think the seed was planted there. You know, I had some opportunities to maybe join a band, but no one, there was no high school band. I was like, hey man, so and so started a band. In Let's our go garage, house, yeah. you know? okay. We didn't have that. We had a couple dudes. We used to get together uh, up on the North Shore of the lake. And there's a bunch of us, and we used to sit together, drink beer, smoke weed, and jam. You know, like on you know Saturday at Saturday night in high yeah. school, we go out there and just you know party, play Metallica songs, stuff like that. But it never morphed into uh, any of us joining bands till later on in life. You know. Now, what did you go to college for? Uh, I originally went for, I uh, was going for sociology. I was going to try to be, a, I wanted to be a cop or an FBI agent. I wanted to get into that. Oh. But I immediately changed 
when I got to college, after the first semester, I didn't change my uh, to history. Uh, and I got a bachelor's degree in history and a minor in secondary education. With the intention to teach? That was going to be, I was either going to, I wanted to teach social studies and coach football. Okay. That was the original plan in life. And did that, so how far did you get down that road? I, I mean, I graduated college, but once I graduated college and I started doing kind of some of my prelims to get ready for student teaching and all that stuff, I'm, and something didn't, and my gut didn't, I, I didn't want to do that. So I worked a summer job and I had, I got hurt at that summer job. I tore my rotator cuff working at an ice factory, hucking ice <laughs> every day, you know, like bags of ice that you buy at the store. Awesome. I literally worked inside that factory just like throwing bags of ice on pallets. And I screwed my shoulder up. I already had shoulder issues from playing football. So I screwed it up and I had to go on disability and comp for a little while. And then I couldn't stay in Rochester because I just couldn't afford to live up there. So my parents were like, well, why don't you move home for a little bit? And once your shoulder gets better, then we'll figure out. And then I came home and... I think this is really where the big seed was planted. Is I came home and all those buddies of mine that used to jam up on the North Shore all started a band and they were getting like, you know, big attention here in Syracuse. They were becoming one of the bigger bands in the scene in the late 90s in Syracuse playing Stylings and Hungry Chucks and Planet 505 and, and they were getting a big following. So all those guys, so like, I went out and I'm like, oh, all, all of you guys, we used to jam. Like, you're, they're playing in a band now. And I just started roading for them and and I got, I dove into the Syracuse music scene. This was like 97. And I dove in and I, that's where I met everybody that I know today. I was going to see bands. All That's all I did was immerse myself in the scene. And my ex-wife at the time, my, uh, she was working at the Dinosaur. And so I just was there all the time to pick her up. And I was there six nights a week watching every band play at the Dinosaur. So then it kind of like... You just, made, you just made connections that oh, way? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then next thing I know, you know... Um, now, had you kept playing the piano? Like, had you kept doing music to some extent through college? Or had you kind of just... Yeah, I, no, I was. I, I did it, but I was like... It was just me in my room, like... Just messing jamming out. Just because yeah, you just you know, loved it. Okay. Six pack and, you know, and smoking a couple of joints and having my buddies come over and jam. You know, so... Uh, and then I would get to parties and I'd bring my piano to parties and all the dudes would be doing keg stands and I'd be up in some other part of the house and all the girls would be up there like, oh, play this song, play this song. So I was like, oh, okay. This yeah. is, so that was really the extent of the music there in college. But when I came home and then I dove into the scene and I had three bands that really were instrumental and in like really getting me to come out of my shell. One of them being the band that uh, all of my friends from high school, they were a band called Jameis Breed. And my friend was living, the lead singer had to move to Baltimore for a job. So he was traveling back and forth between Syracuse, playing in this band and going back. And there were sometimes they were having to turn down shows because he couldn't come home. So I'm like, dude, you got, you got to play the show. Who's going to sing? He said, well, you are. So he would start bringing me up. So I started kind of like filling in for that uh, band once in a while. And had you done much singing up until that? Was that was no. the singing part of it new? Yeah, like fronting a band, and it was yeah. kind of heavy rock, you know, hard rock. So, it, you know, that was very new. I just dove in. And then there was uh, another band called The Neural Groove, and they were real close in the scene, and they're like, well, why don't you come up and guest on a song, learn this song? So I would guest with them. And then there was a blues artist, and she still plays in this town, Miss E, and she was a staple at the Dinosaur. And she's like, why don't you learn, you know, come together by the Beatles and... Um, before you accuse me by Eric Clapton. So those three bands, all of a sudden I started getting up 
And then other people were seeing me sing, and they're like, wow, dude, well, why aren't you in a band? Why aren't you joining a band? So that was really where it was, but I couldn't really find anybody that I wanted to play with. So it kind of just kind of lingered. And Now, what are you doing at this point, like, for a living? Oh, whatever. Because, <laughs> I mean, just... I was bartending. I was, okay. I, was, I, was, I was working for my buddy, you know, mowing lawns. I was, I was detailing cars. I but was, you knew that... You were doing these things to really try to get this music thing going. I think so. I mean, I don't know if exactly I knew that's what it was, or if I was I was just kind of being just delaying my, being an adult. I, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, so that's exactly what I was going to try to word. I was like, yeah, I didn't really, I wasn't ready to grow up yet. So I just worked all these like just crazy jobs, whatever jobs I could get, and then. My first wife and I, we got married and we decided that we wanted to move. We're like, let's get out of Syracuse. Syracuse sucks, you know. Everyone's got that one moment in their life where they're like, we need somewhere else yeah. so much better than be here. here. Yeah, the grass you is know, greener over the here. The grass is greener. So <laughs> we moved to Baltimore. I got a job actually working with the guy that was the singer in the band, James Breed. He said, come down, you work building boat trailers, which he owns the company from his, it was his, it was father-in-law's company. And, uh, so I was working there and I decided to go to recording school down there, learn how to do live sound and recording. So I was like, okay, man, well, maybe my path into music will be through a studio. And if you work, you get one of those degrees, you can work at a TV station, you work in a recording studio. You, there's a lot of opportunity. So it's like, okay, maybe that will be my way into music. Maybe I'm not meant to be in a band. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. So it's like, this is a more formidable career. I should go to school, you know. So I went and we did that. We stayed in Baltimore for about a year and a half, almost two years. And both of us were like, let's move home. You know, it's nice down here, but we missed family. And had you completed the school by yep. then? Okay. I completed school, came home, got a house. But right before I was moving home, and this is where the whole game changes. I get a phone call from one of my best friends one night. and he, He's out drinking. He called me at like two in the morning. You know, no cell phone at that time, so I'm walking out in the oh, kitchen of my house. You know, <laughs> what? Who is calling me right yeah. now? It was before robocalls, so you knew someone's calling you at two in the morning. It was somebody yeah. important. So I call, I answer the phone. He's like, dude, the band God Below. And God Below was a very heavy metal band, like hardcore. And was, were you into that music? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I used to go watch them, and they were, okay. they were, they had a huge buzz in this town. And that genre. In Syracuse. Like, yeah. Okay. And they were traveling around almost the Northeast playing shows, but they were like getting rid of their singer. And my buddy's like, dude, they're, they got late. And I knew they had record label interests. So he's like, they're getting rid of their singer and they're looking, they're, they're trying people out and you're coming home. You should try out for this band. I'm like, well, dude, I don't, I'm like, whatever, man, let's talk tomorrow, man. You're hammered. I'm tired. So I hung up and the next day he calls me back. He's like, dude, do you really want to get a tryout with this band? And I kind of knew some of the guys in the band. I knew the drummer cause I grew he was a couple years younger than me. He grew up in South Square, but I didn't really know the rest of the guys in the band only from afar. So. I eventually found out that they were looking to go in a different direction because I'm, I couldn't sing that style of music. It's just brutal, just rah, 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 you know, it's hardcore. And I'm like, I want if I'm gonna do something, I want to do something hard rock. And they're like, he's, they're like, they're going in a hard rock direction. So I ended up meeting the guitar player Brian, whose nickname is Slider. I met him at Stylings. He gives me a, he gave me a tape, and he's like, "There's just music on here." 
listen to it for about a week or two, put whatever you want to, to do with it. And he goes, I heard you're moving home. I'm like, yeah, I'm moving home uh, in early September. He's like, well, and then we'll schedule a trial. So I call him. I'm like, dude, I'm going to be home September 11th, <laughs> the September 11th. Oh, really? I literally moved home. Well, my ex stayed in, in Baltimore. We're going to move everything a week later. But I was coming up here for a few job interviews. I was working at a bank at the time. So I was getting job interviews up here at a bank, getting stuff ready for closing on a house. And uh, so my tryout was technically on September 11th, 2001. Obviously, it did not happen that day, yeah. you know, for obvious reasons. So I'm like, listen, I'm going to be moving everything home a week later. They're like, well, why don't you just come here next Monday at 3 o'clock? So I went and I went and I wrote a couple of lyrics and stuff to two of the songs on there. I showed up for practice. They had tried out 17 people. I was number 18, and I went in and tried out. We immediately hit it off. They immediately said, no one else is in contention. Do you want the gig? Yeah. I've never been in a band. Now, were all of the band members currently, was that their full-time thing? Or no. Or were they doing other that, things? Uh, most of the guys, three of the guys are working at guitar. Uh, one of Three of them work, used to be Daddy's Junkie Music and, and Maddie Dell, and another guy was, you know, painting houses, and the other guy was, you know, I think working at McLean Northeast. Okay. So they were all working kind of day jobs, but hoping that this would take them somewhere. So all of a sudden, I'm in a band, my very first band, my band. So we hadn't had a name yet. Uh, we went into the studio and cut those two songs. We cut two songs. And a week later after that, so this is the beginning of October at this point, two record labels are already interested because they were already showing interest in the band before I joined. One of them drove up from New Jersey, an independent record label from New Jersey, from Jersey City. Drives up, drives up, comes into the studio while we're practicing, recording some more stuff. They hear the one demo and they leave and they go to FedEx to draw up a, a draft saying oh, we're in wow. negotiations. Wow. So I join a band and then two weeks later we're in New York City signing the record deal. So within one month of me joining the band, I'm signing a record deal. Wow. Like that's not typical. You know, yeah. most people slug it out like all the guys in my band for slug years. it out for like 10, 12 years from their teenage years all the way till our late 20s, early 30s yeah. to to get in it. And I just jump into a band and get signed. We record a record. We play a few shows. And by March of next year, we're on the road full time. I quit my job and we're and that was off. That was the last time I worked a day job it was March of 2002. How was how so for how many years did you tour? Did you guys tour? And how long was the band together? Uh, so the band was together from September of two thousand one, and I left in January two thousand eight. So nearly oh, so seven, nearly seven years, like a six pretty and long and a half time. Years. And we toured from two thousand two right up until I left the band, right up until a month before I left the band. And what was the what was the band was name was Brand New Sin. No, but what? Oh yeah, yeah. Correct. yeah I mean, right. I for the people listening, we never got to that, but. So what were you gonna ask? Yeah. What was the what in what happened to make you what ended your wanting to be in the band? After six and a half years, we had not cross. We didn't cross over the. You were just hitting. Uh, we just could thing. not. We couldn't get over the hump. Yeah. We can get over the hump of making a real living. We're all struggling. We're all bankrupt. I had to file for bankruptcy. I I literally nothing. I had no bank account. I had, I didn't own a car. I didn't, I was living at my parents' house. You know, I was divorced. <laughs> Most of the other guys were divorced. It was like, 
here I am at 30, you know, 32, 33 years old, and I'm like, I have nothing. I have this band, but it's going nowhere. It's like, we could try to put out another record. Maybe we'll get over that, but how many more years am I going to wait and, you know, either waste or wait? And I'm like, I I gotta do something. And were the record labels still supporting you? Yeah, guys? I mean, yeah. we still had interest and stuff like that, but they weren't, you know, the money The money wasn't as much for recording budgets because we weren't making any of these. We were on a few different labels during that time, and we didn't make any of them label. I mean, the last record label on, we're still in, we're still in the hole $198,000. I mean, they won't come after us, but we're unrecouped. Wow. To the tune of almost $200,000. So, you know, it was just... A, and at that point in my life, and a lot of things happened to lead to me leaving the band. That being one of them. One internal, a lot of internal fighting. Uh, just, be, just because of the money? Because of, of the money, and I think everyone was just frustrated. Uh, the drinking and the drugging were getting real bad. And when we first started, we were casual drinkers, but our drinking was like, you know, on the level of, you know alcoholism and the drugs had come mm-hmm. in as well yeah you know none of us really had drug habits but by the end of it we all had drug habits yeah. so it's like okay and then what happened in the fall of 2007 really kind of set forth so i had all of those things happening within the band my father passed away in october of 2007 out of nowhere he was not sick had a, uh, a sudden aortic aneurysm and died and when something like that happens in someone's life that that spins you you know, loss of a parent or loss of a family member will make you really think differently about life. So, and then I broke up with my girlfriend at the time. So I literally took everything on the table of life and just went, and I threw, just cleared it. And it was like, I sat there and I asked the guys, I initially asked to take a break from the band. Let's take a little break. I need to get my head straight. And they didn't really weren't having it. And then we fought about it. I'm like, well, fuck you, I'm quitting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I quit. Uh, and then I'm sitting there going, oh, okay, now what am I going to do? Because this has been my entire life for the past 10 years. Yeah. What am I doing now? Do I go back Do I go back to college to, you know, get back into teaching? Do I, what do I, what do I do? Did you think that the, like, you had the dream of, like, the music thing was done at that no. point? No. I didn't. I refused to let it. Okay. So, to, so this I, was, I mean, there was options of me. Maybe I should do this, but nothing. I'm like, dude, I can't. But so there was a small part of you that was like, okay, the sensible thing is mm-hmm. to go and right. But then there was just that huge desire in you right. that was just like, I, so, I can't. I'd rather be destitute than see myself do right. It. So I'm like, man, I've worked so hard at all this. Something's got to come out of this. So well, you, at least all this investment into this time yeah. in my life. And sometimes things take years. And that's you know, if anyone out there, I, I read a book called Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. And that really kind of changed my life, you know. Like you was, read that during while all this was going yeah, on. Yeah, while all this was going on, and then basically, if anyone reads it, he read he he wrote two really big books. One called Tipping Point, one called Outliers. And Outliers basically tries to describe, and without me digressing too much here, how does how did Bill Gates become so successful? Rockefeller, the Beatles. How did all these people become so super successful, and the other people didn't? Basically, comes down. He found a site. It wasn't a scientific equation, but it basically broke down to you need to do one specific task for ten thousand hours. Oh, I've heard. Yeah, which breaks down to ten years. Mm. Ten. You have to dedicate ten years of your life before you become a master of something, and then the other things come along to be able to do it. But that was the only quantifiable, quantifiable, quantifiable. Yeah, exactly. Quantifiable 
distinction between all of these ones. So I'm like, man, I've been working too hard. I'm not going to give up on this. And at that point, I had two things really happen. One, more and more people coming to me like, hey, man, do you want to do this brand new Joe thing a little bit more often? I was getting more gig offers. So you had, you had started doing that while you were still yes. in brand new I thing? was doing that to make money when I was coming home from tours so I didn't have to go paint a house or mow lawns. I would make money doing that as a job because okay. when we're in between tours and brand new sin it was really hard to like hey we're gonna go get a job at walmart or something like that and then four weeks later i had quit now what was the, <laughs> what was it like um because this is more like i didn't realize the overlap that there was but what what is it like going from playing in a band like brand new sin where right. it's just like right, right exactly. to um sitting down at your piano in a bar playing elton john songs <laughs> right i mean how well, I mean, what was that like? I don't know. I mean, it seemed normal to me because, I mean, I've always had the ability to be able to do very different styles of music, very extreme styles of music, very, you know, I can yeah. bo- I can bounce around any genre. I can sing any genre. Yeah. Like, so I didn't really think anything of it. I was like, well, this is a way for me to make some money and I can do this. And it was a novelty thing at first because people were like, oh, my God, you're a brand new singer. So it was like back can- in college when right. you were playing in the upstairs. Right. So, upstairs I mean, but I've been doing the piano thing longer than I've been doing the brand new sin thing. That was more me than a brand new sin was. Brand new sin. Anyone who knew me knew brand new sin was actually the step out of where I normally was. So, but so at that time, then I had more and more offers to start playing shows. And I had a friend of mine, Stacy Waterman, who owns. She still owns it. She doesn't really book any bands anymore. She's the production manager for every show that you see. She was booking, you know, venues like, um, like the Inner Harbor concert series and all those things she's like and we became friends so she's like let me book you some gigs and I went to her I'm like there's guys in this town doing what I do with the piano but with guitar and they're like earning livings she's like you're better than them so let's you know you know you should do this you could make this as a living but it's going to take you a minute so she kind of helped me form my plan but also at that time I was approached by the owner of The Lost Horizon Greg Italiano and he's like, hey, would you be interested? I'm reopening the Lost Horizon. Would you be interested in managing the club, helping me book bands oh, wow. okay. and all that stuff? So I had both of those things. So between just getting the brand, the Just Joe thing going, I was doing that three, four nights a week. So I had I had a job. I had a real job and I had this stuff. So all of a sudden I was making a living. I could support myself. So I moved out of my mom's house. You know, I stayed with my mom for a little while after my dad passed just to kind of make sure she was okay, we were all okay, get the family okay. And then I finally was like, I can get my own place. I've never had my own, I haven't had my own place in years. So got my own place, was able to pay my own bills, was able to buy a car, got a bank account. So all of a sudden the thing started slowly building. And within a year of me booking The Lost and playing these shows, it got to a point where I couldn't do The, the Lost Horizon was becoming hard for me to do because I was getting so many offers to do the piano thing that I had to make a decision. Am I going to do both or am I going to do one or the other? So I left the Lost Horizon on great terms. I'm like, listen, I'm doing it. They're like, you got to go. You're a musician. You're better than just booking bands. You should. You are the bands. So that's when I, you know, at the end of 2008 was when I really could just go. And that was when I finally could make a living a true living playing music. Yeah, wow. So that was 10 years. It'll be wow, 10 years. yeah. And that's about the time we met. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, it's funny the number of people that I've brought to see you. And I mean, I always talk you up. Right. Because, you know, but if they don't know you or know anything about you and we sit down and, and we're at the bar, they, you know, they're just, but then when you start playing and yeah. you start, it's, I, I, I always love it 
when somebody's eyes just light up and they, and they <laughs> swing around yeah. and they're I, like, whoa. I see that a lot too. Like I'll set up at gigs and I mean, you're looking at me and they're like, this guy must be the roadie. Yeah, right. Well, there's no sleeves. They're all tattoos. He's the roadies. What's this guy going to do? And I sit down and all of a sudden I start playing something and everyone's like, we did not expect that. And that's kind of the the allure and kind of one of my things. It's one of those backhanded compliments. Yeah, you you know, it's cool. Yeah, absolutely. And people are like, oh my God, are you, uh, you know, I didn't didn't expect that, you know, and that's really kind of, it kind of becomes the appeal and and it makes me kind of stick out. You know, I mean, if you're going to be in a business... I'm I'm in business, you know. You have to find a way to stick out from your competition yeah. and be a little bit different. There's other people that can play piano and sing. So other people can do what I do. But what makes me different, you know? Yeah. So one of them is my appearance and my voice, and the other is the ability to sing anything. Yeah. At the drop of a yeah. hat. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's amazing. It's 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 been really awesome to see what you've made of this since I've known you. I mean, obviously, yeah. sorry, I mean, long I mean, before I knew you're sitting, and no one could see this, but you're sitting under my my work. Yeah, you're sitting under my awards. You're sitting underneath every album I put out with Brandis, and every album I put out with Elvin Mountain, which was my hard rock star side project, and every album that I put out with Brand New Joe, and I'm or is just Joe, and you're talking from 2002 to now, so you're looking at 16 years, yeah. and there's. 17 CDs. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you really know. incredible, and it's, I mean, you've made a lot of sacrifice for it, and some you yeah. probably are happy you've made, and some you're, <laughs> you're probably not. I'm very happy about some of the sacrifices, but doing the life, the life that I live is not, is not an easy, it's not easy. Yeah, it's a we, tough we, It's a very, you know, I'm not a nine-to-fiver, I'm not, I'm like, I don't have weekends off, I'm the complete opposite. My days off are like Mondays and Tuesdays. I'm off during the day. When you're when you're wanting to unwind and do something, I'm the guy you unwind and do something with. So everything's backwards. So it really strains every relationship that I have, whether it's a romantic relationship or even friendship, because it's really hard to sometimes maintain friendships because everyone's like, hey, man, we're going to do... i got to go play a game. Yeah. Or if they do come hang out, I'm working. Yeah. You know, well, we've, we've tried so, to get you to the boat or to do this. Right. And, yeah, it's it, tough. Well, and the other thing that's tough is that you're also booked out like 365 <laughs> days in advance. Right, right. So it's like, uh, okay, 2020, can you block a Friday? Right. So, well, I mean, it's just, it's really incredible. And you bring so much light and joy and happiness, not only when you're playing, but, you, I mean, you played the music for our wedding yeah. processional and you play, you do the Lovegram stuff I do now, the Lovegram stuff. I, when I, those videos right. pop up, it's hysterical. I've, written, I've, run, I've run, I write songs for people. And there's some days I sit there and I do so many, like, I don't get bored in my job because I'm always in a different, you know, I was in Philadelphia the other day doing a, a you know, filming yeah, so uh, like, I, talk about talk about that because I wanted to get to like I mean you can finish what you're saying but I wanted right. to, I do want to get to what's what's well, coming what's up have, yeah and so yeah so yeah so going. like you know for example like last week I played um, I played uh, this place Jake's Grub and Grog every Wednesday and then last Thursday I was the Lip Lizard Bar Barbecue and then last Friday I did two different Christmas parties one here in Syracuse one in Rochester came back did a Christmas party on Sunday did a Christmas or a Saturday did a Christmas party Sunday played Shifty's Monday night, I went and filmed something for a PBS special in Philadelphia the other day, played the Aloft Hotel, I got a Christmas party to play tonight at the Dinosaur, and then I'm back at the Dinosaur and the restaurant on Monday, so like, do this always different kinds <laughs> of stuff, wedding ceremonies, I've, I've played funerals, I've played, yeah. any time there could be music, I'm done. Yeah, so like, a- it, there's, there's so much diversity yeah. in what I do that I never get bored. 
bored. It's when it gets bored, something else kind of pops up. So I've made myself marketable enough to be able to play at a kid's birthday party or at a nursing home and everything in between. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's... You know, I played a one-year-old's birthday party this it's year. It's incredible. And then I'll play, like, an old folks home or something, you know? So it's really just been... Um, at one, how I got to here is I just took every gig I could get. I played everything, and I just... I drove anywhere you could get. Oh, yeah, you got 200 bucks? Cool. Be there. 150 bucks? Cool. And then all of a sudden, it became 250 bucks, 300 bucks, 400 bucks, 500 bucks, $1,000, 1500 You know, so all of a sudden, I just... You know, and I look at my, I save every calendar every year I started this from 2007 to now. And every once in a while, I'll go back and look at where I was playing, how often I was playing. And you can see the gigs go from like, hey, 150 gigs a year, 175, 189, 200, 225, 275, 289, 307, 308. And yeah, this year will be incredible. like 318. Which is absolutely crazy. So it just yeah. it, it gets crazier, and I'm booked all solid all the way through May of next year. I'm booking weddings in the 2019, but now I have all these opportunities. One of them we can speak about. One of them we can't really, you know, talk about uh, yet. But you know, then all of a sudden in the past year, there's all these. The next level is I'm like I'm being able to take what I've done for the past ten years, and now I'm ready to go into the next gear, yeah. next chapter, whatever you want to call it. So. We uh, so I all of a sudden got an opportunity. One of them is just huge, and I got it. I got discovered on YouTube, and asked to be part of something which could lead to something that could be truly life changing, and another chance for me to get back into the real game of the music business where I started a legitimate shot. Don't know if it'll happen. May not go anywhere. I mean, like worst case scenario, I go and do this opportunity. It doesn't. Nothing comes of it, and I keep playing three hundred shows a year, and I keep growing my business. And you mean by getting back into kind of where you started, just like putting out albums, being publicized, yeah, being out there, like you know, like on the road again. So, what is the whole? Explain the Phil. I mean, explain the Philadelphia. So, and then another week later, I got again discovered on YouTube singing a Tom Petty song. And this guy approached me, and he produces, he's been producing jazz shows on BT for years, and now he produces uh, not only those shows, but some other YouTube channels, one's called Studio Jams, where he gets um, professional musicians together, and they do, you know, a jam session in a studio, and it's a pretty well-known, well-viewed YouTube channel, so they're, which he got different musicians, some of them well-known, some of them not well-known, and they each play a song from an artist who passed away uh, in 2016 and went real well. This year he's got the funding to be able to do one that goes to PBS and a lot of other things. So he asked me to come to Philadelphia to shoot uh, Tom Petty song, Southern Accents, and uh, Black Hole Song by Soundgarden. So, so he asked me to be part of this special, which is going to include some pretty big names. I've heard some of the names that are going to be involved. I don't want to say all of them because I don't want to. Some of them are still confirming. But I'm going to be sprinkled in amongst some pretty huge rock stars, some people that are like legends, and some of them being Hall of Famers. And were you fil- you were filmed yeah, like, at went, a piano in a studio? Yeah, I went to a studio up to the side of Philadelphia, and he was filming a couple different bands that day. Um, a couple guys from Philly, one guy from New Orleans, and then he's going to Nashville in February to finish the special. So... Um, when is it? When when will I this? I think be? in March. March. He told me March because he's got to film again in early February. But most of the special will be um, filmed 
and edited by then. So then it'll be out in March. That's and then incredible. The other opportunity that I have will happen in early February. And then hopefully after that, I'll have an idea of what that's going to happen. So what I have planned for 2018 could drastically change. So it's hard to say what's coming next. <laughs> it's hard, really yeah. hard to say what's coming next. Um, worst case scenario, I'm just here. I've started a wedding business where I do everything at a wedding from playing your doing what I did at yours, playing your ceremony, to doing the whole entire night and DJing and providing, you know, videography, providing photo booths, providing planning services. Oh, my goodness. I'm I'm an entertainment Wow, yeah, you are. But I'm a little bit different because I can go back and forth in between. I'm the best of both worlds. I'm a live band and a DJ. So I have that getting ready to launch. So I have all these things. I'm fine if neither of these opportunities pan out. I've gotten myself to the point in this business where I know what where reality lies. I've been through the gauntlet before, you know what I'm saying? Um, so there's a lot coming up, and hopefully at a future podcast we'll be able to reveal a lot more. I would love that. You know, sure. so I mean, it, in short, it was just a matter of me finally waiting for a door to present itself in life, and then I just ran through it. And I just kept running through doors, and I really attribute my work ethic from sports all those years from the football coaches that I had were really, you know, those, that's the work ethic that I've carried over into this, um, to carry over into my music business. And I didn't think I was working that hard in brand new sin, but I learned all those years in brand new sin, how the business works. So the biggest thing I took away from brand new sin that wasn't music related was how the business operates on every level, booking, you know, every level. And I taught myself and I learned from everybody, managers, agents, record labels, to all the people in this town. I just, I learned, you know, even if I was putting together stages back in the day or roadieing or driving, you know, somebody around that's going to perform. I like, I've worked every aspect of this business. So like, I know that I have to keep my feet grounded but at the same time, I've worked so hard that some of these opportunities that are coming to me now are a result, a direct result of me just busting my ass. You well, know? And, that and, and, and nowadays, people want it a lot quicker. And it's not just music. They want everything a lot quicker. Yeah. They think by just putting up um, a, a YouTube video of singing a song that they're going to discover and they're going to become Justin Bieber or the yeah. next rock star. It's like, if anyone, again, go back and read the book Outliers with Malcolm Gladwell, and you'll you'll see that the Beatles were not an overnight sensation. Bill Gates didn't become a billionaire overnight. Rockefeller didn't become a billionaire overnight. These people like they 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 earned they and they, earned and they failed way. and they, they came back and then yeah, yeah you know I failed a lot. I mean yeah. when Brand New Sin was done, I could have easily hung it up. Yep, I failed. There's my chance at music. I refused to give up. Yeah. I refused. I'm like, no way. I'm going to make it in music. And I have. To the foundation where I can do this for the rest of my life and retire. Well, hopefully I can retire at some point. You know, it took a while. When you take 10 years of your life and you don't work a real job, at the formidable years of where you start pensions, it's Yeah, hard. right. Yeah. So, like, I got, financially in my life, it took me. That was the biggest heart. That was the biggest fi- That was the biggest sacrifice. It's like, I'm going to sacrifice what all my other friends are laying a foundation for later in life. For, for their bigger care. But it's also so. something you can do longer because you love it. Right. All right. Well, thank you, Joe. I really appreciate it. So well, where well, can people find more information about... JustJoe.com, just easiest website in the world. Social um, media? Social media. I'm all... If you just put in Just Joe, 
on uh, in a Facebook search. You'll find me. I'll be the first one to pop up. Instagram. On, uh, Instagram. I'm just Joe fifty five. Uh, Twitter. I'm just Joe Syracuse. So everywhere. If you just put in Joe Altier in a Google search, everything comes up. Everything or just <laughs> Joe in a Google search, everything comes up. It's pretty easy yeah. to find me on the interwebs. Well, thank you very much. All right, man. Thank you. Yeah, we'll keep our eyes open for what's yeah. coming next. Thanks, Joe. Out your fingers. Thank you.